hearts are so overwhelmed when we think of your greatness and the love that you have poured upon us. God, in the mercy that you show to us every day. We adore you, God, for loving us in spite of us. You love us. You care. You shower us with the blessings of life, life itself. We are so thankful to be here. There's so many other places where we could be, but you drew us by your spirit. You captured us. You got our attention. You loved us enough that somehow your word found us and delivered us. And you're yet, you're yet loving us even though we're not all that we want to be. But in you we stand complete. And in you, only in you, do we want to be found. Tonight, may we draw nearer to you, Lord. Those who are here, those who are watching, And may you even do a greater work in us. One that we, we can't interpret. We don't know how to define it. We don't know what it really consists of. But you and only you know what it means. We just yield ourselves to you. And as your word says in Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to your homes tonight. I ask you to sing with us 
the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness.
your name. We give you a worship. We give you a worship, God. We give you a worship. Not like we did yesterday, but a new worship. Because you, God, have done more today than you did even before. And we are opening our eyes to more of you today than we knew before. So we offer our worship unto you. We offer our worship. We offer our praise. And glory and honor due your name. Tonight, may our hearts be open to receive what you have prepared for us. Thank you in advance for what you will pour into us tonight. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to get right into the word. We welcome those that's watching as well as those that's in the house. Again, thank you for such a wonderful uh, 75th birthday celebration. We so appreciate those that were, uh, that came and those that sent greetings and all that was received. We're still basking in that. Uh, tonight, we're still following the theme last week, uh, last Wednesday. The Lord had uh, me to minister some things, and one of the things that I emphasized was understanding what it really means to have a heart after God and how you can be performance-oriented and project an image of success but not really have the heart of responding as God would have us respond. And I said the objective that we have here at Cross Culture Church is that those that are a part of us would have the heart, heart of Christ and my heart. So that as we engage in ministry, we are on one accord, one place, one accord, moving in the same direction. So tonight I'm going to talk about being equipped to pursue the greater a greater purpose. Our theme this year, uh, we talk about embracing a greater purpose. We're going to talk about the equipment that's needed. How do we get there? That's always the question. What is, how can we move from where we are to where we ought to be, and then move from where we are then to a greater place in the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it says here, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And then he says, having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. perdition rather, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, that's the first part of that, because we ministered some time ago about the pursuit of godliness, uh, understanding that the pursuit of godliness, and how as we pursue godliness, as has a good character, the character of Christ, we want 
Christ to be formed in us so that the life of Christ may be seen in us and through us. He said that if we're content in that pursuit, if we're content in aiming at that as being our target, he says that in this you're rich. In this you have already gained and you have attained much because of your pursuit, because of your interest. But then he says, and then he puts far in there because he, did, he does a, a, he helps us to understand where we stand and what we really have. He says, for we brought nothing into the world. We came in naked and we're going to leave naked. We're talking about, we're not talking about the clothing you wear in your, uh, on, in your caucus. We're talking about what you can carry with you. Uh, you, you came with nothing, and when you leave, there's nothing that you can carry with you. He says, certain we can carry nothing out. And then he says, so if that be the case, if that point has been emphasized strong enough, then he says, having food and clothing, with these we shall be. He didn't say that we are content, but our aim again. Let's look at what we're embracing. Let's be content with such things that we have. Contentment has to do with that we are entrusting, we are, we are trusting God. We are at a place within our lives where we are at peace with Him and in peace with ourselves. We're not striving uh, uh, to attain something to the degree that it causes us to lose focus upon our pursuit of godliness. Because anything that causes us to lose our focus on the pursuit of godliness, it is saying that that is a distraction. It is a distraction from what God would have us to focus our attention upon. So then he goes on to say, but those that desire to be rich fall into, uh, into various, uh, they fall into all kinds of temptations and snare, those who desire to be rich. And I, the Bible says they fall into this. When it talks about falling into uh, temptations and a snare, it is saying that the desire for those other things become the temptation. It's not just having those things, but the temptation of obtaining them can cause one, as I mentioned earlier, to lose their focus. You lose your focus. And when you lose your focus, then you are prey to the enemy. The enemy then can entrap you because of the pursuit that, uh, of your life, the thing that you're focusing your attention upon. He says, that's the important thing. If we talk about being equipped to pursue a greater purpose, the most important part of that is to don't lose your focus. Don't lose your focus. Make sure that you don't lose your focus. Stay focused. Make the main thing the main thing making sure that we don't lose our focus. That's first and foremost. He says, because if we maintain our focus, or we lose our focus, then those other things become temptations, where they begin to replace God in our lives. Those things will replace God's lives, whereby we will be more interested in those things than the things of God. And you would say, uh, when you first get saved, that's impossibility. There's no way for you to be in a place whereby you would put something above God. The Bible says you should love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. He says that I am the Lord thy God. You shall have no other gods, plural, small g, besides me, 
besides me, before me, or even beneath me. There shall be no other gods. But then you say, how do we lose our focus? Whatever that thing is, it becomes a God. It becomes a God in your life. Whatever replaces big G, whatever replaces the Lord God, becomes a God. And when it becomes a God, you serve it. In other words, that's the thing that takes charge of your life. Your life is controlled by something other than God. You say, well, how can I do this? Or I, I, you, you see, it squeezes, uh, it squeezes all of your time, takes all of your time. It occupies all of your attention. You find yourself so preoccupied that you don't have time for him. So now, look at what he says here. He says, so now, he said, that's a temptation. A temptation is a delurement, that which will put forth the effort to draw you away. But the snare is that which catches us. See, when you're caught, when you are entrapped by a snare, it says now, first of all, you're drawn in a particular direction. Now you can't get freed from it. That's a snare. You can't get free from it. That thing is holding you tight. And you say, well, it's in his grips. I would like to do something other than this, but I can't do anything other than what I'm currently doing. So you see what happens? It, 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 first of all, it was a temptation. But when it becomes a snare, then you are trapped. You are captured. You are prey to whatever that thing is that's caught you uh, into a snare. He says, and he says, many fall into this, if many foolish and harmful lusts, that, into men, when many foolish harmful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. And then it takes money, but I didn't say money alone. It says, you know, the scripture says money is the answer to all things. Money answers all things. It is saying that the things of the things, I'm going to talk about things tonight, the things that are around you, for the most part, you see, uh, it would require resources or money in order to buy those things. But he says, but the things now, he says, for the love of money. Now, look at the, look, look at the context. He brought money into that context. He says, he's talking about contentment with godliness. He talks about gain. Understand, he puts things in a category of gain. But now he's going to help you understand. He says, for the love, not money, but the love of money... The love of money, the love of the resources in order to purchase those things that tempt you. Now you're there. You see, the things that are, you're tempted by, the things that will allure you, the resources that will be able to, to, to cause you to, hold, to gain those things, he says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. In other words, that if you tie that and you bridge that into the rest of it, we begin to see where it then becomes a snare. It's no longer temptation. But then the thing that money has purchased for you, you are trapped by it. It becomes a snare. He says, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Now he talks greediness. Now they can't get enough of whatever it is. They can't get enough of it. They find themselves, you see, now it's not just, first of all, it's not just food and clothing. It's no longer just uh, having a place to stay uh, uh, and have food to eat, a car to drive, whatever. Now it's money for the sake of money. 
It's money for the sake of money. I want money in order to get money. I just, it's a game now. It's just I, greed. Greed is when you, 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 you have an insatiable appetite for more and more and more of stuff. Now, he says, the love, he said, many have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, look at the end result is that now you think it'll make them happy. They said they strayed from the faith. Here's another parallel. It is straying from the faith that produced the sorrow within their lives. You see that? The sorrow that is produced as a result of the wrong pursuit, you see, that which they're pursuing, it didn't make them happy. You think it'd make them happy. They got more of what they're, that they're pursuing. They're able to purchase or to do more of what they want to do. He said, but the truth of the matter is that they become more sorrowful than ever before. They become more, they may look, you see, they may look happy if someone were to see them from, a, uh, from afar. If you begin to observe them, you say, he must really, they have their act together. Look at how they're living. Look at what they're driving. Look at all the things that they have. But the truth of the matter is, they're sorrowful. They're sorrowful. You say, well, you mean to tell me, you're trying to tell me that everybody that has uh, money is sorrowful? That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that the love of money causes one to become sorrowful. It causes one to be sorrowful. So now, let's look at verse 11. Let's look at verse 11. Somebody was trying to get in. I wanted to let you know they had to go the other way. Verse 11 says, but you, O man of God. Now, look at who he's talking to. You, O woman, you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee these things. Don't get entrapped. Don't allow these things because of the snare to you. You, O man of God, flee these things. Flee these things. How can I flee these things? How can I be set free from these pursuits? He said, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. He says, pursue that. Let this be your pursuit. Embrace it for greater purpose. Pursue righteousness. Righteousness. Pursue the righteousness. Let's say, you say, well, I am the righteousness of God. I've received righteousness by faith. It's imputed righteousness. No, I am pursuing a godly life. I am pursuing that righteousness, that right likeness, that God-likeness to be established within my life. The righteousness, doing things as God would have them done. Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. And then he says that with them, because of the fact we understand we have an enemy, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then Paul went on to say, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things. Now we're getting close to where I want to be here. He gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, you know, Christ did that as he stood before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, 
hold fast to that confession. In other words, you're going to be struggling. You're going to be in a battle. You're going to find some pushback and all of that in the process of pursuing that. He says, but, he says, but fight the good fight of faith. Fight to hold on or to maintain that which God has given you. It's going to take a battle. You have to fight for it. He says, so fight for it. Fight for this. Keep, and, and, and as you fight for it, uh, keep, keep, be, become blameless, be blameless before him until the Lord's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor everlasting power. Amen. Now, understand what is really saying here. As we look at what the Lord is saying, he says, time, within time, first of all, he says, hold on, because you're fighting a good fight of faith within this time. The enemy is waging war against you as you pursue righteousness, as you pursue godliness, as you pursue faith. Now, I always wonder, what do you mean pursuing? When he says you're, you're pursuing right, because you see where it says pursue righteousness, these other things, you put pursue in front of each one of them. When he says pursuing faith, it is saying, I want a greater measure of faith. I want a greater degree of faith than the level of faith that I have attained at this particular juncture in my life. I want to love more than I love right now. My love life is not where I want it to be. Now, now understand, what happens to a believer, this happens to a believer, in a believer's life, now this is quali what qualifies a believer. You begin to see those spots within your life. You begin to see those blemishes within your own character. You come to the place whereby the things that you probably would have ignored otherwise, but now the light of God begins to shine on those areas of your life. It is not because you are out of the will of God. It is because you're in the will of a God, in the will of God, and God can show you things about you because he also knows that when you see those things, that you are willing and ready to surrender those things to him so that he can begin to work on those parts of our lives that are in need of being worked upon. As we pursue, you see, it all has to do with our pursuit, as we are still pursuing him. But if we say that we aren't there, if we, in other words, I say, say that you have no sin, you are a liar, you see, the truth is not in us. But we must we must always confess. That word confess means to speak with the Lord. Whatever God says about us, it is not to condemn us. We're not being condemned by the things that he reveals to us, but it is to convict us so that the Holy Spirit can work on us. Without conviction, then the Holy Spirit has no ground to work. He has no place to work his work within us. But when we're convicted, if you begin to say, well, that's just, I was praying as I was coming here, and I said, Lord, I, I said, I don't like my attitude concerning particular things. That's what I was saying. I said, Lord, I don't like my attitude concerning certain things. I don't like the way I think about a particular thing. Sometimes I don't like the way I react or respond to a particular thing. And then I began to pray, and I said, but Lord, I thank you that you made, you let me know 
that those things are in need of correction rather than someone always having to tell me. You see what I mean? You see, because oftentimes others can see it before you see it. But it's real good when you can see it yourself. You say, well, I don't like this about me. I don't, I, I, Lord, I'm asking you. Now, look at our prayer lives. Are really uh, dealt, uh, we begin to increase or anticipate our prayer lives. Lord, so I ask you to work this out of me. Now, I say this with confidence because I know, we mentioned before, whatever God reveals, he deals. He deals with those areas he revealed within our lives because we're willing to confess those things before him, to speak with, to align our speech with his speech. This is how the Lord feels about it. If I feel bad about it, guess what? God has more knowledge about those things than I do. So since he has more knowledge, you see, it's more of an offense to him than it is to us, yet he loves us. See, we have to understand when something is offensive to God, that doesn't mean that God despises us. He despises a thing that's offensive to him that resides within us. But when we confess before the Lord, we're speaking with him what he is saying about what resides within us. And we're really saying it is really our confession before him or our, our, our I would say, our declaration of, of dependency upon him. Lord, I am totally dependent. I am totally reliant upon you to work within me. Now, go look at, look at we mentioned that. Look at what Peter says. No, I want to stay here. I want to stay in. I want to go to, uh, we talked about the fight of faith. Yeah, let's go to Peter. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Now we're getting to ministry because we understand we're embracing the greater purpose so that we can do those things that God would have us to do. We can engage in the work that God has called us to. So he says in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 10, he says, as each one has received a gift. In other words, when you were born again, when you received Jesus Christ as Lord, you were not born merely to occupy a seat or to be a member of, a, a member of an organization. You are members in particular of a body, of the body of Christ, and of a local fellowship. Am I making sense here? You are now members in particular of a local fellowship. So he says, so as each one has received a gift. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, the body is built up as a result of the gifts operating within the church. Now, now we might say, well, what, what happens? Why, where are the gifts? The gifts are still available to the church today. Whatever gifts were then are still available to us and for us now. But the objective must be the same. You see, the, 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 you see, our focus must be the same in order for the gift. So he says, so as each one has received, but if that gift is dormant, if that gift is dormant, if we're isolated, if we're independent, if we're working alone, if we're not working in conjunction with one another, even though you may be gifted, those gifts are not operating to their fullest potential. You say, well, why aren't there more healings? Why aren't there more signs and wonders? Why aren't there more miracles? Because the gifts cannot function unless the body has come together as God would have the body come together. 
So this is a serious matter. That's why I said we can have a good front to make it appear as if we're all together, but it's very significant. It's very important that we come together as God would have us come together. Each one has received a gift. Now, I thought about it. I, I just imagine this. If everyone was on one accord and you are being taught concerning your gifts, whatever that gift is, and then you're being taught as to how the gifts operate, how the gifts operate, you're being, you're being taught how to pursue righteousness and godliness and holiness and all the other things that will help you to have the right attitude and disposition. Then if all of that was in place, one accord, one place, one mind, the Holy Spirit will move among us in ways that you had never, ever dreamt before. We're talking about seeing things. You see, right now we lament over things not being as we would like for them to be. While we're looking at God to do more, God is looking at us. He is saying, well, you don't see any more because you won't allow me to do any more in you and through you. I want you to be in place because there's some things I want to do in you and through you. Because once you begin to see that, and the devil knows that too. He said, as long as I can keep you in your place, as long as I can isolate you, as long as I can keep you separated, he said, then I can take advantage of, uh, of what would have been a powerful church. Would have been. You see, it, it, it's the teachings that lead towards that objective. You see that? It's the instructions that lead towards that, that objective. But understand, it is our desire to embrace that, the truth that God is speaking, that will position us and posture us for that to work within us. He says, so now to each one, each one has a gift. He says, each one has a gift. Now watch what he says. Since you have a gift, minister it to who? To one another. Oh, wait a minute now. One another. What is that saying? How can I minister it to one another unless we engage with each other? It is the engagement, the involvement. When ought we to be at a place where we can minister to one another. You know we do it within the house of God, but it's also from house to house. But we come, you see, we are equipped here to take what we received here into our own homes. You see, we take it elsewhere. And then that love spreads abroad. Now it begins within the house, you see, the household of faith. It begins within the church. Our attitude towards ministry then begins to become widespread. It, it, it begins to, it, it fills the house. The house now, you see, the house is, is the, I would say, the, the centerpiece of all that God is doing. He says, but from that, what you receive from here, it, it begins to hit your own households. You say, I've been praying for so-and-so. I've been praying for this brother, praying for this sister, praying for this person, that person. You see what happens? What you receive here, you take it home. And not only you take it home, you take it to your neighborhoods. You take it to places where it would not be otherwise. He says, so now, watch what happens. So now, but the enemy knows. You got to always understand what the enemy knows too. He knows if I can stop that at any level, then even though they may be gifted, they're still impotent. Those gifts will not function. You say, well, I'm gifted. Oh, I have the gift of such and such. I, oh, I can do this. I can do that. I can do the other it still can't function to its fullest potential if it's not functioning in the right framework. God has established a framework 
for those gifts to operate. Now, let me get to this a few points here. He says, so now, if that be the gift, he said, minister to one another. Minister, ministry. I, people, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to Asia. I want to go to this place. I, I want to go out in the, in the projects. I want to go down in, in, under the bridge where the homeless are. The Lord says, before you start going all those places, he said, come home. Come home. You have to be equipped. If you don't, you're going to burn out. I've had to tell some people that. They say, well, I want, you know, why aren't we doing more? I said, we can't do any more until we get to the place of taking hold of what God has given us to take it to those places God would have it to go. He said, so understand this. We, we, we were looking at it even at the celebration, my birthday celebration, all the things or some of the things God has done in this and through this ministry. And we think about it, I said, look at the potential. God was using people that were listening, you see, and learning and moving in what they had learned. He says, so now each one, you have received a gift. Now that gift is cultivated through the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. You see, that's what happens. God is helping to develop your gift, the gift that's within you. That's what this is all about, you see. And, and, and I can hear it all the time. You say, well, I, you can hear it through the language. Things that we say, the things that we say usually reflect who we've been taught by. Are you hearing? And many things I've tried to purge out of this ministry that was old school, but they weren't biblical. You, you see, I try to purge it out of, out of you. I said, well, let me just tell you, stop, stop all of this being clothed in your own mind. And then I, people still want to be clothed in their own mind. And they ain't what that scripture said. You, you see, there's so many other scriptures, you know, uh, that, that and I've, you begin to hear, uh, I, I, I look to the hills, which comes with my help. These are some of my pet peeves. I look to the hills, which come back. I said, wait a minute now, that scripture doesn't say that. There's a comma there. I look to the hills and a question that follows. From which, where did my help come from? Now, if you've been with me any period of time, way back when, I've been saying that, harping on that, but people still say it. I look to the hills, which come my help. I said, who's teaching you? Who's instructing you? That's just a part of it. But there are many other things there. there are, let me tell you. Within, within this culture, there's a whole lot of error that's circulating. Am I making sense? There's a whole lot of error. But you won't be able to detect it if you're not rightly taught. But you will embrace whatever you've heard, and you will, you will try to synergize it into what you're being taught. You say, well, I'll just, I'll assemble what I've been taught with what I'm being taught, what I was taught beforehand what I'm being taught today. But ours, for the most part, you see, if you look at Paul, Peter, and all the other writers, a lot of their instructions was to purge them of the old leaven. It was to get rid of stuff that they had grasped hold of, the law, the legalism, and the like, to get them freed from a lot of things so that they could be postured to hear God more, hear him in a clear way. So now, look at what he said. He says, so you are stewards of the manifold grace of God. This word manifold, the many-faceted grace of God. I, I, I said grace, one grace, but many facets of that grace. It is saying like, it is like a diamond. I always use that analogy, like a diamond, and you begin to let white, it, it's white light that passed through the diamond, but the prism breaks up the light so you see the colors of the rainbow. There are many colors within that 
when you see the facets, it brings a brilliance of the various cultures that's contained within the light. In other words, the Word of God then is being rightly divided because you begin to see the application of the truth to various situations. You see, it is the truth of God, but how do you rightly divide that, the Word of God, so that you know how to apply it? to whatever you may be dealing with. So he says here that the manifold grace of God, uh, he, he's doing several things. And the thing that's so amazing about God, he's doing several things at the same time. It is the grace of God. His grace is released. His grace is being dispersed. But what he's doing, he's doing many things at the same time. He's not just doing one thing. Well, my focus is upon. No, Lord, say, while you're doing this thing, God is doing this thing and that thing and the thing that you're doing is connected to the other thing that another may be doing. You, you say, well, well, I'm trying to obey God in this particular. No, your obedience to God will be attached to the other individual's obedience to the Lord. God has a way of doing what he is doing. It is one grace. It is the grace of God, but we begin to see the various facets. Now when we go out, we go out as, as, a, as believers in as a community of faith, we go out as a people, as one people, but we go in various directions. You see, now we, can, now we can make an impact upon various aspects of culture, whether it be political, whether it be educational, whatever the issue may be. You see, it is what you have heard, now you begin to learn how to apply it. To business. You learn how to apply it to politics. You know how to apply it to education. You, you, you see, to sciences, whatever it is. Now, look what he's saying here. So, so if anyone speak, if anyone opens his mouth to speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Let him speak so clearly that you know that God has, in fact, spoken. Because when he speaks, you'll find that the scripture supports what he is saying. You know, he speaks as oracles. It, it is like an oracle. It is like, in other words, it's not him speaking. It's God speaking through him. Speak in such a way that it's God speaking through you and not, not your opinion. It's not your opinion, but you speak as oracles of God. And, and, and that's another thing, too. That's why I said, a few, I think it was last week, I said, whatever I may be feeling, whatever I may be going through, I must go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to purge my heart and my mind so that I'm not preaching my pain, but I'm preaching your word. You see, now my pain is important. My pain, I, someone told me the other day, he said, I like, because it showed that you're human. And I said, correct, that is, when you can. But if I preach just my pain, uh, I can preach it from a perspective of drawing sympathy for myself. But I must always look at the larger picture. When Paul talked about his sufferings, when he, when he talked about the things he went through, it was always for a larger purpose. It wasn't to, because you could have said, oh, Paul, man, look, man, I'm just going to, I, I just, you take it easy, I'll take care of it. And you just sit down because you've done so much and we want to protect you. In fact, Jesus, they tried that with him, didn't they? You ain't going to Jerusalem. You're going to stay here. Then Peter said that to him, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. He said, get behind me, Satan. You're more mindful of things of man than the things of God. Now, let's look at it. Any one minister, let him minister, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. As God supplies the ability, he said that in all things, 
God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now, that's important. That's important because the objective is to glorify him to whom belongs. Him, not you, but to him belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's like, I like that scripture where it says, let your light so shine before men. Is your light shining before them that they may see your good works, but don't give you credit for it. <laughs> but you see, we give credit to God. Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Many faceted grace of God. Now, <clears throat> we're getting to the part of understanding the work. The work. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. And then he said, I must work his works while it is day. When night comes, no man can work. We look at the work. The works <clears throat> preceded our even coming before we were born. The works were before the foundations of the world. God had, even when he made man, he had a job already waiting on him. He didn't have to make a job for him. He had an assignment for man. He made the assignment before he made the man. You understand this? So that's God. So, so now, let's look at, as we begin to look at equipping and the Word of God, how that Word ought to be heard and how it might be heard. There's a difference between a sinner and a saint. When a sinner comes to church and when a saint comes to church, they come, you see, there, there are different, that's a different agenda. We talk about between a sinner and, and a saint relative to church. The sinner is seeking miracles, signs, and wonders. You see, a, a sinner is seeking, because what is he saying? Lord, show me. Show me that you are who you say that you are. Give me evidence that you are. I understand that healing is the children's bread. And I'm not saying, because God will heal uh, those of us those who are among us, but that's not the objective. We got to look at the primary cause, the primary purpose. It's not, you don't come to church to get your, saints don't come to church merely to get their healing. I, I, I remember one brother, uh, I mean, he was so sick that, that he couldn't hardly stand up, but he was still coming to church ready to serve. We got some here now. That, that's you know, Elder Gale and Dr. Johnson and many that come to, they, they come no, I mean, regardless of what they may be going through, they still come, and they don't just come and say, well, I pressed my way. No, I came to report to duty. I came to serve. There's a job. There's an objective that I have yet to, to carry out. So you see what I mean? And, and we have to tell them sometimes, don't press yourself. Don't push yourself because we see how you're pushing yourself beyond your limits, and we're concerned about your health more than we are about your attendance. Are you hearing me now? So now, but look at the difference now. But, but, but the sinner doesn't come merely to get healing. But he or she may get healing, you see, as a blessing, as, a, as something that God will do for him or her at that particular time. But here's what a saint comes to church for, is desire, he desires or she desires a word from the Lord so that he or she may be equipped to do the work of the ministry as miracles and signs and wonders are worked 
through him or her. Are you hearing the difference? One comes to get it, and the other comes to get equipped so that he or she might be able to be used of God so that what the other has come to receive, the other has come to receive from God to give. He says, so now while you come, I came to get my, my blessing, and the Lord is saying, I blessed you by equipping you that you may be used to be a blessing to others. Isn't that something? That you come to church for that. He said, I didn't come to church. I got too much going on in my own life. So, no, look at what he's saying. Are you coming as a sinner or are you coming as a saint? Now, let me tell you something. When sinners come through these doors, don't ask them for, uh, don't, don't ask them to give to nothing. <laughs> don't ask a sinner to give to anything. I want you to give to our, help us out. And don't ask a sinner to give a thing. We are here to give to them. We're there to give to them. If they're a sinner, ours is to, is to express love towards them, to be benevolent towards them. You see, that's what we, I know we take care of ourselves in the household, but we want to make sure that we are not needy, our neediness being expressed to a person that comes in who really need to know the Lord. You see that? I, I would go as far as to say that a sinner doesn't need to have to give any offering. Isn't that something? Doesn't need to have, don't, doesn't even have to give any offering. When I say, did you get an offering envelope? No. Would you like to give? That we won't reject your, your offer or your gift, but you don't have to give anything. You see, you can come in here and walk back out and not leave a dime, and you can be a millionaire. But if you're a sinner, you don't have to come. Well, we need you. We want to make sure. Let's, let's hustle this person because he or she has a lot of money. No, you can come in and out and leave with every dime that you had in your pocket. This is a free, you see, this is a free zone that you could come in as a sinner. But because when you become a saint, you see, now you're coming to be equipped that you may give, that you may give. How can I engage? How can I participate? How can I do the work of God? Engage in the works that were before the foundations of the world. How can I engage? So you see the whole attitude is different. So, so, so now, with that, you see, it's, 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 it's understand when a saint comes in, but yet he is dependent upon others who are more spiritual than themselves. You, you see, you, you see, who are, uh, uh, what, they're more spiritual. I'm, 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 I'm here because I, I, I don't, I, I, I see, I mean, I'm at a place where I just have needs. I just have needs. I'm not giving anything. Let me qualify that. I'm not giving anything because all I have are needs. You, you see, if you're a saint, whatever you have to give, give it. I remember you heard me tell the story in Philippines when we were ministering in Philippines. Uh, you were there, and I, I, I was speaking through an interpreter, and I said, uh, if they didn't have any money, and I said, that's fine. I, I said, you have a pencil, don't you? I said, I want you to do something. I want you to break the pencil in half and put half in the offering plate, at, uh, in the offering bucket, and keep the other half. If you, whatever you have, you, you have some uh, produce. I want you to bring produce. I want you to put some in the basket and keep some because it's not just your money, and then we will distribute. We're not going to walk out with anything. We will distribute whatever you've given to others. 
We will distribute uh, what we, what's been given in the offering because we're teaching you. If you're saint, if you're saint, you have a heart. You see, there's no way for that love in your heart to be contained with just within you. You want to give something. You want to do something. And we want to offer you the opportunity to do that. But if you're a sinner, you see, you, you understand that. that. That doesn't apply. Yours is more or less, uh, help me. Help me. Now, I'm not saying that a saint doesn't have, need help. We, we are observant, and when we hear about a particular thing, but your purpose of coming is not just that. That's the point I'm making. I want you to make it clear. Make that clear. So, so the diff, as we look at it, if you remain dependent, then you get to a place where you begin to see everybody around you as being more spiritual than you are. And you begin to say, I can't, I can't pray for myself but I need somebody to pray for me. I can't do anything for myself. You see, that person is always in a state of neediness, but never in a place of reaching beyond themselves. They, they become, you see, they're, they're not a participant, but they become, you see, they, they, they're, they're always come with their hands out. And I say, look, and, and let me tell you something. If you, this principle works. If you're giving and if you are desirous of participating in the work of God. See, he will give what? Seed to the soil and bread for your daily food. To the degree that even as we look around and we see how benevolent a particular person is, you see, and how, you say, and they, I, I did it the other, you know, one person was just playing compliments. He might have played me though. He might have played me. But he was giving compliments and compliments. And, and I saw he was in the line, and I, I'm, I'm at the place getting ready to get a, uh, get a, get a biscuit and, and, and for breakfast. And I said, uh, I just told him, I said, do you want a biscuit? Do you want a biscuit too? He said, oh, yes, but yes. But, but you know, the church, I used to go to this church. He just talking, 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 talking. But, but because, and he was talking like he was helping other people. I said, he didn't have to ask for a biscuit. <laughs> I just voluntarily gave him one. Now, he might have played me. Because he might have, but, but, but that's for him and God. But you understand, the sinner, the saint desires a word from the Lord so that he may be equipped to do the work of ministry. That's it. So now, you see, you mature to a place of greater uh, freedom and liberty in the Lord. So now, as we begin to look at this whole thing of of, of, of how God balances our lives. He balances our lives uh, because the Bible talks about removing one of these things. If anything is taken out of our lives, that's why you have to build upon whatever God has given us. One little peg can cause the whole thing fall. You probably heard about the uh, cornerstone of, of a building. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. We are the building. He's the chief cornerstone. If you remove the, cor the cornerstone, the whole building collapses because the whole structure is supported by the cornerstone. So, so now, I was reading something about this thing of things. You know, he talks about things, wasn't he? he uh, uh, and, and, and Peter talks about things, and all of them talk about particular things that we have and what we possess in the light. And uh, as I begin to look at this thing of things, the things, here it is, where it says all things, the Scripture says in Romans 8, 26, it says we do not know what, what we should pray for as we ought. 
but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Now, now we are, we are going to bring things in perspective. The Word of God takes those things that we deal with and gives us the right perspective of all things. He said they work together for the good of those who love God. You didn't understand why a particular thing happened the way it happened, a certain thing happened in your life, a certain thing is happening now, he says, but we learn this as we come into the house of God, as we fellowship with one another. He said they work together for those who love God. In fact, I love that scripture, 73rd chapter of, of uh, Psalm, where he talks about my foot almost slipped. You see, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, but look like every time I do right or try to do right, everything happens wrong to me. He said, until I came into the sanctuary of God, and when I came into the sanctuary of God, I saw the end of the wicked. I saw the end of the wicked. And, and I couldn't see the end of the wicked until I came into the house of the Lord, until I came into the sanctuary of, the God, of God. Then I understood their end. I couldn't see their end until I came into the sanctuary. But it looked like the world was prospering. It looked like everything was happening right for them, and everything was happening wrong to me until I came into the house of the Lord, came into the sanctuary of God. Then he didn't say, I saw it. I understood their end. I understood their end. He said, surely you have put them in a slippery place. I think that's what it says further on here. Surely you set them in a slippery place. You cast them down to destruction. So when you begin to see what they're in, it gave it a different perspective. So now you go back to this, and he says, and we know that all things work together. You see, their prosperity, uh, you see, is working for your future prosperity, but it's working towards their demise. He says, so we see where all things are working together for the good to those who love God, to those that are called or the called according to his purpose. They are the called for whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, when he whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now look at all these. These, these, these. He's speaking specific. He's speaking specific. He said, "These are the ones. These are the ones. These are the ones." Then he goes on to say. What then shall we say to these things? We mentioned things. He says, these things. I looked up this word thing. I'm going to see if I can tell you what it talks about. Well, I know it already, but things is a category where it is not dealing with specifics. It's not dealing with specifics, but it's a generalized category. It is saying these are the things these are things. Uh, but another way, let, let, me, let me talk like we talk. Stuff. 
This is the stuff that we have to deal with. You understand? You understand that now. This is the stuff we're dealing with. So now he has said all this stuff. Let's talk like a. He said all this stuff that's happening to us. He said, uh, uh, if God, uh, we, shall, uh, we shall say to this, this stuff, what you said to this stuff. Yet, he said, he said, here's our situation. We are condemned. Who is he to condemn us if Christ died? It goes on uh, to say that who is he to condemn? If Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then it goes on a whole list of stuff. Shall it be tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, naked, peril, sword? He said, as is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Look at all the stuff we have to go through, the stuff that we have to go through. And we are killed all He says, yet in all this stuff, <coughs> in all this stuff, we're more than conquered. All the stuff we have to go through, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities nor powers nor things or stuff present nor stuff to come, <laughs> nor height nor depth, depth rather, nor any other create, created stuff shall be able to separate us from the love of uh, the love of God, which is contained within Christ Jesus our Lord. So he says, so no stuff can separate us from the love of God in Christ, Jesus Christ. So now, when we go back to look at the stuff that we have to go through, the stuff that we have to deal with, you see, God being with us, even when we go through stuff, things that are purposed, uh, things that are purposed, manifested with their own. You see, let, let me get to, get to that part. There are certain things, there's a purpose for those things, but those, those stuff doesn't manifest until it's right, uh, it's on time. There's a time that God would begin to show us why stuff happened the way they happened. We don't see it. Remember, he came in the sanctuary. He saw the end of the of, of the wicked. There's a time. You don't see how all that stuff worked together. But all the stuff that taking place, but God in his own time will show us how all that stuff come together and how it all works together. That there, there, There's times, you see, things we mentioned not, not particularly defined. That, now, that was a scripture, I see my time, that was a scripture here in Joshua. In Joshua uh, 7, 10. You may read that, the whole thing, later on your own. But this is what he said to Joshua. I, it just popped up, and I wanted to share this. He said, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and both stolen and, dece and deceived. And they have put it among their own stuff. They put, they, they put what, you see, they have done all this crooked stuff, and they put it among their stuff. Now, I read, I read that, I thought about what happens when we talk about things. Things that stand in our way. Things that hinder us from being effective. We take all that stuff out there and put it among our stuff. 
you see, and we try to mix that stuff with our stuff. <laughs> and we said, well, and then the Lord, in the Old Testament now, the Lord was angry with them. The Lord was, he said, get up, sanctify the people. and said, sanctify yourselves for, to, for tomorrow because they say the Lord of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. That's the stuff among you, O Israel, that you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. He said, until you get that stuff out of your life, he said, you can always suffer defeat. That's the point I'm making. He said, what's happening? He wants you to get rid of stuff. Is that making sense to you? He said, there's some stuff you need to get rid of. He said, he said, that's what's taking up so much of your time and attention. That's the stuff that you need to clear out of the way. Until you get that stuff out of your life, you see, you'll always be, you see, distracted and, and, and engaged in something other than what God would have you. Remember when Saul was, was, uh, uh, was looking for Saul to appoint him as king? They said, where are you, Saul? You see, he was from the tribe of Benjamin and all of that. And they said they couldn't find him. He was hidden among the stuff. <laughs> Through that scripture, they talk about Saul was hidden among the stuff. So they called him, but he tall. He was tall. So you could still see him because of his height. But he's trying to hide among the stuff. He said, I got so much stuff around me, I could just hide among the stuff. But he forgot his stature was still exposing him. Because, uh, you, you see, I, I begin to think about that when it comes to saints. You still stand out among the crowd. You see, you're trying to get, along, get, get among stuff and think you can hide among some stuff. But understand, there's something about your stuff that doesn't fit with their stuff. <laughs> your stuff don't suppose. You don't put your stuff in their stuff. They don't go together. But, but let me close. Let me close. I see my time here. But... Uh, the Lord is saying here, he said, uh, you're being equipped. That's the objective. He's equipping us for a greater purpose. He's saying there's something, you see, and unless we are rightly equipped, if we're not rightly equipped, you understand, then it will appear as if you're impotent. You have all that power. You have all of those gifts, all of the things that God could use, but understand, to be equipped is not just having, you see, it's not just having a sword of the Spirit, but knowing how to use the sword of the Spirit. It's not just having a girdle, but having your, you got to be put it on, you see, not just having your feet shod with the gospel feet, you got to put them shoes on, you see, what happens, that's what instruction is all about. How do you take what God has provided, and how do you put that stuff on so that you can fight the good fight of faith and be victorious over the enemy? That's what God wants to do. Now, I'm sharing with those of you that's here and those that's watching because, you see, now, now believe it or not, I was thinking about the fact, especially in light of, of Saturday and appreciating so much all of what I received, but this is love. I said that to you. I'm going to love you more. And what does that mean? I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the truth. I ain't going to let you hide among the stuff. <laughs> if I see you hiding among the stuff, I'm going to tell you, you don't belong there. That's not where you belong. You see, when you call people out, that's love. When you speak the truth, you must speak the truth, but you speak the truth in love. 
That's what God requires of us. So I commit to you to becoming a better pastor, a more caring pastor than I was. I commit to you to be the kind of person that as I receive from the Lord, I mean, I want to receive everything I get from him so that as I receive from him, I'll have more to give to you. You see, the more I get from him, the more I have to give to you. So I'm committing to studying more, praying more, seeking God all the more because I said there's a people that need what God has to offer, and God has called me to be one of his instruments to get what he has given, get it into your hands. So, Father, we thank you for this time together, and we pray that this will be received in the right spirit, that we will grow in our in grace, knowledge of who you are, so that you become our priorities, our priority. Nothing squeezing out our time and energy so that the gifts or talents given can be maximized. They can reach their fullest potential. So, Lord, I envision a church that's on fire for you. I envision a church that will do more than the things that we talk about historically, but a church that's doing things in this day and hour that will be amazing to those that witness it. And we don't look to others to do it. We look at ourselves and we say to you, Lord, here am I. Send me or send us. So with this, we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord for his word and what God is desirous of us and love us so much that he'll speak life into us. If I see who's here, but if there's any that have not given your heart to the Lord and understanding that level of surrender means that there's a willingness to, not that you're perfect. If you're already perfect, you won't ever get saved. You'll never get saved. You're the most, you're the, you're the most, you're lost in, I'll say of all men, you're lost more than all when you think you already have everything together. When you think you have it all together. But when, if you're saved, then the Word of God has a way of finding you. But if you're a sinner, understand, we call it prevenient grace. That meant the grace of God has located you. You are a candidate for salvation. You are, you see, God has, he has already pointed you out. He's already sought you out. Uh, I like that writing about the hounds of heaven. We think we find the Lord, but it's really him seeking after us. And when he finds us, he won't leave you alone. He's like the hounds of heaven. He's on our case everywhere you turn. We see him showing up some kind of way. But when we finally come to the place, say, oh, Lord, okay, since you want me, if, if you want me this bad, <laughs> I'm going to give in. Yeah, I'm going to give in to you. I'm, I'm going to surrender. If you want me this bad, you won't let me go. You won't let me go. That's my testimony. When I tried to let it go, I said, Lord, you won't let me go. 
Let, in fact, I asked him. I prayed that. I was so miserable at one time. This is when, after I received the Holy Spirit, I said, Lord, let me go. Just let me go back because here's my ignorance. I'm ignorant. I was doing better before. Now, I wasn't. But my blindness made me think I was doing better before than after. I said, he said, that's your ignorance. You were so ignorant, or you are so ignorant, that you don't know that you were miserable when you were in your sin. The Lord wouldn't let me go. When I tried to go back, he wouldn't let me go. And then the older I get, now 75, looking back, I said, Lord, I'm so glad that you wouldn't let me go. If you let me, first of all, if you let me go, I'd be dead. I would have died in my sins. I don't think God would, I think he loved me so much, he would have taken me home rather than let me make a fool out of myself. He would have taken me home. But the Lord preserved me and let me live. First of all, he would let me go and allow me to live to tell about it. <laughs> That's my testimony. So if you're here or if you're watching it, You've not submitted your heart, your life to the Lord. Let this be the day and hour. Father, we just pray even as you deal with hearts and you deal with more than just surface issues. You deal with the depths of our souls, things that are deep within us that we don't talk to anybody about, but yet you have full knowledge of those things. So we pray, Lord, that they'll begin to see that you're the only answer. And it's because of your having knowledge of these things, that you're pointing them out and making them know that you know exactly where they are, but loving them still in spite of all the things that they might be doing or might have done. So come into their hearts, Lord. Come into their lives, Lord. Live within them largely. Show them that they're not beyond salvation. So we give you praise for the outcome of their lives as they surrender all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in the house, you're here. But if you're watching, there's a place on the screen. You can let us know that you want to uh, give your heart, your life to Jesus. And another thing, uh, I, I didn't know how this stuff worked, this, this uh, electronic stuff, this computer stuff. But I understand that when you put like the like button, that it also increases the numbers of people. Or it, 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 it expands the number of people that can view uh, the message and those that can be blessed with what you're being blessed with or blessed by. So we want you to do that. Hit the like button, put comments there and all of that so that uh, others can receive, be recipients of what God is, is giving us. So, uh, and, and get the word out so that uh, we'd like to have hundreds of thousands of people hearing the word of the Lord and hundreds of thousands of people being saved. I think it was, uh, I had opportunity of meeting uh, 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 Ronhart Bunke. Uh, we were in a meeting one time and Ronhart Bunke, Bunke was there uh, with another great pastor out of South Africa, Ray McCauley. And... Uh, Ray McCauley's wife said, every time he gets into a dump, he said, call Bonke so he could give you a vision. Bonke was talking, even in that meeting, 
Here's what he's saying. We're talking about 100,000 souls. Monkey said, I believe God for two billion souls. <laughs> two bi he didn't say million. Two billion souls coming into the kingdom of God. I said, now that's a vision. He wanted that before he hit the, hit, before he go to be with the Lord. He's now with the Lord, but he's believing two billion. I don't know how many millions had come to the Lord as a result of his ministry. But we're saying that uh, if you can be a part of spreading the word that God has given us by doing what you can do, by sharing the message, and also uh, hitting the like button. So we praise God. Oh, he said, he said the witnessing cards. We have witnessing cards. That's within the house. We do have witnessing cards here as well. Yeah, amen. But we praise God for you. And, uh, let's prepare our hearts not to give them to the Lord. And uh, you'll see on the screen ways of giving online within the house. Uh, if that should be offering an envelope in front of you. If not, we'll make sure you get one. If you slip your hand up, if you don't see one, we'll make sure you have an envelope. And uh, as we prepare to honor God through our giving. And if you're in the house, we'll give on the way out. Uh, we praise God for your faithfulness. This is a new year. And we praise God for uh, how he has maintained this ministry. And our, our passion and desire is to be uh, out of debt uh, this year. And we're believing God for a thousand people. A thousand people through this year that will pledge. I, I'm getting ahead of the board now and the others, but pledging $2,000. And that's $2 million that will get us where we can retire this debt that we've been carrying too long with all that interest rate. So we believe in God to get that settled. So uh, I'm, I'm pledging more than that and those that can. But I'm just saying, let this be the year where we can retire this debt and do more ministry with the resources that come our way. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We pray as we leave this place that you will continue to, to, to work your work through us, making impact over many lives. So bless your people, Lord, wherever they may be, and even those that's a part of this ministry, we give you the honor, the praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Oh, got an announcement? Okay. We'll just share it. Can you hear me? I uh, just want to remind you that the couples will be celebrating uh, Valentine's this weekend. Um, this is the last day to sign up if you're interested in going. So we want to encourage everyone to make sure you sign up and, um, and, and, and get involved. And it's going to be a wonderful fellowship this coming Saturday. And also the singles. Yes, the singles. I, I don't know what they're signing in. Same day, yeah. So let's get it. We got to sign up too. Yes. Okay. Amen. Amen.